Hitting revenue targets is hard and requires constant hustle. Last quarter's success is already forgotten. Learn the mindset and tactics of today's most successful revenue producers in B2B marketing and sales. We call this the revenue hustle. I'm your host, Tom Hessen, navigating you on this journey. Today's show is sponsored by Nine Lenses, an interactive assessment platform that enables you to add instant value to your buyers and allows your sales team to tailor business conversations focused on the pain points each and every time. Check them out at NineLenses.com. Hi, this is your host, Tom Hessen of The Revenue Hustle, and we're in for a next episode with Rodette Zuniga. Rodette, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Tom. Appreciate it. Yes, I'm so excited for this conversation. I've got to know you over a couple of conversations now, and you are currently the Director of Customer Success at Demandbase. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, of course. Um, so as you mentioned, I'm the Director of Customer Success at Demandbase. I'm specifically uh, leading our mid-market uh, segment. So at Demandbase, of course, every customer and every company will have different ways to which they define their customer segments. Mid-market specifically, uh, we define it by our customer's annual revenue. So that is defined to, to an annual revenue of 1 billion and up, or 1 billion and below rather. Um, my team is comprised of 26 individuals, uh, including three managers spanning all of North America and India. So we're, we're a big, happy family here. <laughs> yeah, that's quite, a, uh, that's quite a size of an organization. Um, and so what does customer success entail at Demandbase? What are you guys yeah. responsible for? Exactly. So customer success at Demandbase specifically surrounds value and adoption around the product. Um, of course, we're measuring net retention and, and of course, gross retention and all of those metrics as well, but really just focused around the adoption and health of our customers to ensure that they're adopting the product, they're engaged, and naturally they're happy. Fantastic. Well, you know how we do this here at the Revenue Hustle. We do these things called revenue rules. So why don't you let Rib, what's your first revenue rule? Yeah, so the first revenue rule um, for both customers and also for teams that are managing customers uh, within the first 90 days, don't bite off more than you can chew. Okay, well, tell us more about that. Yeah, um, I think as, as anyone who's managed a customer, or even if you're selling into prospects, you have, you've built all this excitement and all this engagement, and customers are wanting to address those challenges that they've shared mm -hmm. with their salespeople during that sales process. So naturally, when they, when they become customers and, and they get set up and they're ready to go, they want to go flying out the gates. They want to do all the things. They want to address all of their challenges really soon. And of course, as customer success professionals and, and customer success teams and all the different teams that are, are managing that process, it's, it's upon us to ensure that we're not only listening and intently watching and understanding what the customer's needing to do and understanding their milestones. We also have to make sure that we're managing expectations as well so that Again, they're not they're not um, boiling the ocean, so to speak, with yeah. all the different requirements needed to ensure that they're really um, getting the value that they, that they that they truly want. Yeah, I think that's a great that's a great rule because I think all of us uh, can relate to you know you you know the buying cycle takes a long time, right? Whether you're buying a, you know this is a big ticket item, right? For most organizations. And, you know, whether you're doing a house renovation, you're buying a car, you're saving up for it, then all of a sudden when you're ready to buy, like you want to, you want to go right. super fast, right? It's like now I've waited, 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 it's time to go. But I suspect, you know, the organization themselves 
aren't quite ready to go at that full speed because there's just a lot of you know change right anytime they buy right. a piece of software there it's it's a d- decision to change so talk us through a little bit of how did you come to that conclusion about not trying to go too fast and manage expectations yeah i mean i think at the end of the day we want to go as fast as our customers are willing to go right but that also includes on their side ensuring that um from an operational perspective, they have the right admins in place, they have the right technical resources in place. Um, for Demandbase specifically, and I, I should have mentioned this, Demandbase is a marketing and sales platform that provides insights to marketing sales teams. So it essentially allows for them to be more focused, intentional about the accounts that they go after. And it does support an overall account-based marketing strategy and methodology. So within Demandbase specifically, right, there's this methodology of account-based marketing that you know, our our entire company is trying to promote um, while also supporting the execution of those strategies within the platform. So there is this element of change management that has to happen. Isn't just within the platform and executing itself. We have to ensure that all the stakeholders within those marketing and sales organizations are completely bought in, right? That they understand why there's going to be certain shifts to their strategy. So those things, of course, just don't happen overnight. Right. those conversations, of course, have to happen with, you know, the, the account teams and the various, you know, resources that are involved within our customer organization, but within the customers themselves, right, there's there's a, a bunch of different steps that need to happen at the same time to ensure that, you know, we're, we're going on pace and on track to get that buy-in, but also to stand up, again, like this big ticket solution at the same time. Right. And I suspect there's just, you know, I see it in just with a nine lens, not everyone comes to you with the same capabilities, right? The, the right people, the skill set, the experience, right? Because at least, I, again, I'm more of a sales guy than a marketer. So ABM is kind of a new thing in my mind, right? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people may buy liking the idea of ABM, right? Mm-hmm. Not having done it much, right? Versus some of your clients may have been doing it at a very high level, Right. and are, are coming into your team at, at a different expectation. So how do you kind of figure out what their capability is mm-hmm. and then align that to kind of the onboarding, like what that first 90 days should look like based on what you really think they can achieve? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I think really the, the critical point where we start to understand where a customer is, at least with demand-based customers in terms of their ABM maturity, is that handoff with the AE when a customer signs and the CSM and the account team is introduced and they schedule that internal sync to understand, tell me about the sales cycle, tell me about these challenges, tell me about the use cases. Mm-hmm. We try to understand the, the organizational map, so to speak, of the various resources that are available on the customer side to, to make sure that they're supporting kind of the, the adoption and um, engagement with the platform. So there's that. We also have something called an ABM maturity assessment as well that's available to our customers. So it's a series of questions and a survey, so to speak, just to start to understand where within their ABM maturity they stand. So that allows our sales teams and our customer teams to kind of know, all right, mm-hmm. probably earlier in their in their maturity, which is fine. We need to take some of these preliminary steps first versus someone who's or a customer that's very mature. And we can kind of take what they've already built and continue the momentum with the with the solution that they purchase. 
Yeah, no, you know, um, at Night Lens, that's what we do. We power maturity assessments. We're not powering yours, however, but um, <laughs> I, you know, I'm a big believer because you, everyone needs to know where they are. Like most of your customers probably don't know mm-hmm. where they're mature and immature. They don't have a point yeah. of reference. So your maturity framework is really helping them orient themselves as well as your team as to where their you know strengths are and maybe where they're less mature right uh, in their capabilities to, so you then align the onboarding activities and and education I suspect I suspect are you doing a lot of education as part of those first 90 days just about what they can and can't or shouldn't 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 try or yeah. how, how do you think about that education? Absolutely. I mean, I think the first 90 days, it really sets the tone around how a customer is introduced to not only your product, but your your brand as a whole, your teams that are supporting them. So, of course, the customer success manager is one of those representatives, of right. the team, but also how you're introducing that education, either by way of um, educational videos on your website, your your customer success landing, your customer success landing page on the website office hours, your your customer community. So all of these different uh, educational resources are available to our customers, especially at demand base, but it's all about timing as well as to when those, it, those resources are introduced. Again, going on around the theme of not trying to overwhelm the customer, not trying to bite, get them to bite off more than they can chew, but doing it in a way that's, that's uh, intentional Right. around where they're at in their onboarding and implementation process. Now, do you have any instances where your customer didn't necessarily like that you were pumping the brakes a little bit just to say, you know, they're asking you to do certain things and bring in certain resources and you're like, yes, we'll get there, but we need to do this, this, and this. Like, have okay. you had any situations like that? I mean, yes. <laughs> I feel like I'd be lying if I said that wasn't the case. Yeah, that happens. But um, I think as a CSM, it's so important that you're managing those expectations and you're explaining why certain things need to happen, especially with a solution like demand base where customizations, integrations are so critical to how customers and extract the value out of the tool. It's really important for all the teams involved, including the implementation manager, if there is one in in your organization, the CSM, the account manager, so on and so forth to be like, this is why setting up these milestones are critical towards you being able to execute the use cases, right? And and addressing the challenges that you came to us for. But if you don't say that, of course the customer's gonna be like, well, this is, this is useless. Like, why are we, why do we have to do this? Can't we just get to the part where you're solving all my challenges and we're getting all this revenue and everything's perfect. Right. So it's a balance for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I suspect you've, you've probably learned where you've tried to, you know, I think all these revenue rules have have come from the school of hard knocks in some ways, because you've, you know, you've either had a great mentor that learned that lesson and shared with you, or you, you, learn that the hard way and then kind of formalize, well, I'm not going to do that again. Right. Or, or we need to, we need to change the way we, we onboard um, because you may have tried to meet the customer's needs and then they may have fallen down on their own because their organization wasn't able to catch up or run as fast as they were hoping to run and they get ahead of themselves. Yeah. But of course, you know, as an organization, we have to collect those the, those data points where applicable. We have to understand some of those themes because at the end of the day, if, if we're finding that customers are getting stuck and they're not moving as quickly, but it's happening at a, at a more frequent cadence, right? 
then we have to look within our organization and look within our processes to see, okay, where's the gap that we need to reconcile here? Because if a lot of our customers are submitting feedback by way of, you know, a CSAT or anecdotally in a call or something around, like this is moving too yeah. slowly. Right. We have to actually, we should look internally to see where can we start to pivot and, and start to change and uh, revisit some of those processes to, to get things moving faster. And, and with you, ABM being relatively, you know, still a new thing, are you finding more of your customers kind of at the early part of their maturity or they, is it kind of now kind of in the mid? Can you kind of summarize like where the entry point commonly is that you're seeing? Yeah, what's interesting was when I started at Demandbase seven years ago, account-based marketing was just such a weird term to use. Like customers would just be like, what are you talking about? Marketing is marketing. And we'd be like, no, account-based marketing, you know, focusing on accounts that have the highest propensity to close or to grow and things like that. Um, but now, What's interesting is that we're now seeing customers come in with the title of head of account-based marketing or director of account-based marketing. And so you're seeing a big focus on a lot of these larger, you know, B2B focused companies really approach account-based marketing in a very thoughtful and intentional way. So a lot of them are coming in knowing what to expect, which is great. But I think a lot of the, the tactics and the executional pieces around how do we actually get started and work through these giant lists of accounts and how do we service the data to our sales team and things like that those are the things that i'm finding at least and hearing from my team that are some of the areas that a lot of our customers are looking at us uh, to for help gotcha and are the salespeople the primary users of the software i guess like marketers may be configuring it but are the end users predominantly the salespeople or yes and the end users are marketing and sales organizations as a whole so the idea is that there's a common language, right, between marketing and sales around the types of accounts that sales needs to go after. There's data supporting why, you know, sales should be going after those accounts. And then we're also providing the right contacts and the right um, data to support the ways in which they should be going after those gotcha. contacts and, and who, when, how, all those different things. So it's really meant for, for both teams. Yeah. and and. You know, I, I asked you about kind of when when um, customers want to go fast. I mean, how have you seen going slow position them to run faster? Like if they if you get them to slow down, get the basics right, right? Mm -hmm. How has that positioned them to go even faster or be better set up for success in yeah. the long run? Yeah, I think it's a matter of again explaining the why, right, and and saying and being very focused around what we always tell our CSMs, you have to understand your customer's timeline, right? They don't work on our timeline. We have to work on theirs and we have to understand like if there's huge milestones that they need to hit from a revenue perspective, from a training perspective, all those different things, yeah. of course, we might not necessarily be aware of. So in terms of like moving slow, if we know that there's a huge sales training that needs to happen in the next, I don't know, 90 days, then we're going to you know, pivot, right, and refocus our implementation and our onboarding around ensuring that we're getting that done. And then we can, you know, focus on the other elements thereafter. So I think it's more so around like understanding what those huge milestones are for our yeah. customers that they need to hit so that we can then, again, pivot and, and address those as quickly as possible. But not necessarily slowing things down. It's more so just placing more focus on what matters right now. Right, 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 right. Um, and not just having a one size fits all 
implementation exactly. approach, yeah. which, you know, start yeah. and finish. Yep. Um, no, that makes complete sense. No, I think that's really important. We haven't really talked about, you know, an approach to onboarding uh, mm -hmm. on the revenue hustle. So this was, this was great. Um, another reason why I wanted to have you on, because I think that's such an important topic. Um, I get heavily involved in some of our integrations and implementations at Nine Lenses. And, you know, those first few days, weeks, when you're really building the relationship in the trenches, um, that's, you're right, that does set the tone, not just for long-term success, but just the relationship. Um, and you obviously want to always start off on the right foot in any relationship because it's hard to get things back. So um, thank you for taking us through that. Um, I'm, I'm thankful you shared that. So let's transition now to your second revenue rule. This is really um, interesting as well. Yeah, um, my second revenue rule, uh, which is interesting because I just shared this with my team about a couple of days ago, is complex problems don't always require complex solutions. Okay, so why were you telling your team that? Yeah. Um, so again, you know, with demand base specifically, demand base is such an incredible tool because there's so many robust insights that can come from the platform itself. We have like a number of integration points. We have predictive scoring. We have AI. We have all of this data, right? And all of our CSMs have been trained to be industry experts around account-based marketing and really you know, share the, the best practices around how to leverage the tool. And sometimes our customers will just come to us just wanting to do like one simple thing, like leverage you know, predictive scoring to tear out their accounts or create segments. And um, I was telling you this earlier around a story that I was, I was talking to with one of my CSMs. She's managing one of you know, a really large healthcare account and um, for a while, we've been talking during our, our weekly account audits. She's like, I just can't seem to get them to like really engage and like leverage the platform where the way that I'd like for them to all of these recommendations, I'm sharing all of these account-based marketing, like best practices, industry, best practices, metrics, everything is like, it's just not landing. It's been weeks, almost months. Like I, I need, I, I don't know what else to do. Yeah. And I'm like, well, have you asked them like what their biggest challenge is? And she's like, yeah, it's, you know, it's tearing out accounts. And I'm like, well, what do we have to use to tear out accounts? And she's like, well, we have our really great predictive scoring. I'm like, well, have you suggested that? And she was like, no, because it seems so like basic. And I'm like, well, we'll try it, you know, and see what happens. And she did, she brought it up um, and they loved it. Like they were mm. so excited about this one very simple solution that we offer that, you know, I guess she was just overlooking because she just seemed, you know, she understood their business and it felt so complex that it didn't even occur to her to to just suggest something so simple. So I think that's just the lesson. And it's also a personal life philosophy. Like when you have a huge obstacle in front of you, you just kind of have to take a step back and just look at the steps right in front of you in order to, to tackle it. But yeah, like just because you have a complex product, you might have a complex go to market or whatever the case may be. It doesn't always have to be, you don't have to right. respond to it in a very complex way. Yeah, I, I, I love simplicity in, mm -hmm. in any anything I can, if we can simplify it, again, yes. just makes it easier for everybody. Nobody likes complex. I mean, nobody no. wakes up and is like, I want more complexity in my life, right? Like yeah. that just, everyone's trying to shed stuff, get stuff off their plate, right? And they just want less and less because we're already inundated. So I love that idea because um, it's actionable too. It's like they could do it today. They don't have to wait days, weeks, or months, if it was a bigger, more complex, um, you know, because everyone's time pressed. And, and, and so I love that idea. And, and the idea that the complexity, 
um, or, or just looking for simple things to address an immediate problem. Mm-hmm. Like that's what they care about, right? They, right. all those other things are like, well, that's great, but that's not my problem. Right. right. And, and exactly. so you got right to the core of the problem. Right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And sometimes it's about, you know, we always use this, um, analogy of like, you know, sometimes you have someone who's looking to, to buy a car, right? And they just want like the basic stuff. And maybe they just in fact need a Toyota or a Honda versus a Lamborghini, right? You just have to understand like, what are the immediate needs and what do we have available for them? And is it as simple as just getting them a car that can drive them from point A to point B? Or is it something that is, they require something a lot more robust or they need more functionality? And it's just about understanding what those needs are um, and listening intently. Yeah, and, and I think it's it, for all of us that are on the software vendor side, like we see everything, right? We know our product inside and out, mm-hmm. uh, top yeah. to bottom. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we can't unsee that. Whereas the customer, again, if they like they, they're not in your CSM shoes, they don't know the product from top to bottom, they mm-hmm. only see whatever their understanding is, which is usually a much smaller, more narrow view of the world because they don't. You know they don't live it like you guys do, and okay. so um, oftentimes when we communicate, it, it's like we need to communicate like we're talking to our grandmother about <laughs> ABM, right? It's got to be simple. Right. It's got to be broken down. It's got to be digestible, and not just as if you're speaking to another CSM who like you speak the same language, right? right? So I think they're you know anyway. That's just kind of an example for me. Like I'm always trying to get my team to speak like to a customer, like you're speaking to someone who knows a 10th of what we know and breathe every single day. Exactly, you just have to use layman's terms, right? And, and translate it to a way that makes sense to them. Yeah, cause like the scoring, they may not know what that means to be, like you're talking about the scoring system. Like that's a, again, a unique feature set of demand base, but how that applied to which accounts I need to tier was probably not known or obvious, right? For that person. Yeah. Um, Customers don't know what they don't know. Right. And as CSMs, you have a tool belt full of all of these tools. Some of them, you know, some of them you'll, you'll need, some of them you might not need when it comes to supporting your customer, but really it's being able to assess what truly is the challenge and using the tool that works best for that challenge. And maybe it's not something that's requiring like a whole reno so to speak right maybe you just need a hammer and a nail and that's it and and then you move on and you build upon that so yeah what was your team's discussion when you were talking about that um what did that look like or or, you know did anyone else kind of engage with you as you were sharing that yeah i think that that whole like idea of we have to simplify right and i think they they soon understood they're like all right i have this wealth of knowledge i am an industry expert, so to speak. I am a product expert and it's trying, they then start talking about like, what are the other simple ways for us to really address some of these challenges? What are the most simplest use cases for our customers to take action on right now that are not all of these, you know, grandiose, really uh, sophisticated use cases that are running flying customers, so to speak, would be taking advantage of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good reminder for us all because it's so easy to make things complex, just, you know, like, like, cause we just do this every day. Right. And, and so, um, you know, us on the software side, it's easy to make things complex 
Uh, it's easy to forget yeah. how, you know, how, you know, how our customers view the product, their, their own universe or their knowledge of ABM, all those different things that kind of go into it. It's, it's, it's easy to um, assume they know what we know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even for a lot of companies too, when it comes to their marketing strategies as well, like how do we actually make your product offering or your go-to-market strategy or even your messaging just land in a way that it allows for your potential customers or existing customers to feel like it can be part of their day-to-day? Like you're not adding to what they have to do. It doesn't feel like an extra vendor or another tool that they have to use. How are you actually incorporating your solution into their day-to-day workflow and making it easier um, and not having to learn all of these different things, I think has, has helped a lot, at least in terms of how our CSM team has tried to incorporate some of the, the functionality and features of our platform with our customers. Yeah, and that's even as a more tech, as the solution is more technical, I think it's even harder um, because it's oftentimes there is a technical element to the explanation, right? So, and not everyone's equally technical, right? right. Um, especially when you're talking to marketing or salespeople, uh, if you're talking to someone in IT or something using an IT solution, maybe you have a little bit more of a technical background, but, you know, the business people, so to speak, are, are not always assumed to be, you know, technically savvy just by their job title. Yep, exactly. exactly. So tell us how you got into customer success. Um, so I've always been in the customer or a customer facing role. I've worked in retail, which I feel like if you can make it through retail, you can make it anywhere. Um, so I, I worked in retail in my earlier years, so to speak. And then uh, my first real gig was at Condé Nast, which for anyone who knows Condé Nast is an old school publishing company, yeah. Vogue, GQ, all of those guys. And I, and I worked in their digital business. So digital advertising and marketing and worked with their largest digital customers there and from a B2C standpoint. Um, from there, I, I transitioned and pivoted over to demand base, which is focused on B2B um, and, a B2B, and B2B customers, which was a whole new world for yeah, me. I was going to say, how do you make yeah. that transition? I mean, and, and did you have any trouble you know, I don't know if this is the first company you interviewed with, like, did anyone say you're not, you don't look like B2B, therefore you yeah. know, we're, we're not going to, you know what I mean? There's like this kind of like B2B, B2C kind of thing. B2C thing. Yeah. Did, yeah. You, did you run into any of that? Not really. I yeah. think what, what allowed for, I guess, demand-based recruiters or whatever the time uh, to kind of feel confident about my experience was my experience in digital advertising. So I started off as a digital account manager, so to speak, at Demandbase, um, working with some of our, our advertising clients, um, managing their campaigns, oh, you know, providing optimizations, things like that. And then the opportunity for me to work as a CSM presented itself because in managing some of those customers, I got to work with CSMs as well. And I always saw CSMs. I, I never knew what a CSM was. Customer success wasn't really like a thing back then. I just always saw them like running around from meeting to meeting and on calls. And I was like, that looks so stressful. And I don't know what they do. And I, I don't know if I ever want to do that. But then I started to learn more about, about you know, the responsibilities that they held and they managed so many different parts of the customer business that um, when the opportunity presented itself, I was like, all right, sure, I'll, I'll take it. And from there, I've been able to manage some of our largest customers um, and, and work my way up into leadership. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, so I, I'm, 
Well, good job for the recruiters, right? To be able to, I mean, you've been there seven years, obviously you're doing very well there as a director. Um, you know, so I think that's just another story of giving people opportunity. Um, and I, and I have talked to other people that have hiring CSMs. And I think that the one nice thing about the customer success community is that they all know you don't have to be a CSM in order to be hired as a CSM, right? Like there's a, it's well, I don't know, understood or appreciated or acknowledged that CSMs come from all walks of life. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the first thing whenever I get, whenever we're hiring and I'm looking at resumes, I don't look for whether or not they were CSM at another company or anything to that effect. I look at their experience working with customers. I look at the different wins that they might have had within their organization, whether they've been able to scale process, whether they've been able to build advocacy within their customer base. Um, our CSM team, the makeup of my, my team currently is just from a bunch of different industries, a bunch of different backgrounds. I have someone who used to be on, on marketing. They actually used to be a demand-based customer and went over to CS. I have other folks who used to be in implementation. Um, and it makes a really great, well-rounded team because you don't know what you don't know, especially for me as, as someone who's been at demand-based for seven plus years. I, I admit that sometimes my blinders are up and it's good to have uh, a fresh voice and, and fresh perspective um, yeah. onto the team. No, that's great. So where can we follow you online, Rodette? Yeah, um, so <laughs> I'm on LinkedIn. So Rodette Zuniga, luckily my name is weird enough where there's probably like five Rodettes <laughs> on LinkedIn. Um, and then on Instagram, it's uh, row underscore Z, Z-E-E. -E. And uh, yeah, and sometimes I'll post things about work and, and, and different CS related things, but uh, mostly you can, you can find me on LinkedIn. Fantastic. Well, I encourage everybody to do that. Um, Rodette, it's been great having this conversation. You brought two new things to talk about, which is always nice. Um, so uh, thanks again for coming on to the Revenue Hustle and let's do it again soon. Sounds good. Thank you, Tom. Thank you for tuning in to the Revenue Hustle. This episode has been brought to you by Nine Lenses. Close more deals with interactive assessments. Check them out at ninelenses.com. See you next time.